Hi there, everyone, and welcome to the On the Horizon RC podcast. I'm your host and Horizon CEO, Chris Dickerson, and with me, as always, our marketing director, Steve Petrado. Steve, it's good to see you. How was your Labor Day? It was really good, Chris. Lots of uh, lots of time off to uh, hang out and relax and recharge. Uh, I did manage to go to an RC event, so I guess, you know, RC is just a part of uh, life for me, and I was able to come out here to uh, to the Muncie field um, to do the air power over the IAC. It's a big Warbird and Classics event. Uh, so I got to fly Allie join me. So we spent some time flying some Hangar 9 aircraft and talking to customers all weekend. So uh, that was a good time. Got some uh, boat time as well, uh, hanging out on the water a little bit, get some sunshine. So a good relaxing weekend for me. What about you? Yeah, uh, spent the time on the water. So yeah, same thing. Uh, just enjoying what's left of summer here and uh, a little bit of my recoil too, which is my go-to just have fun, throw it in the water boat and um, just enjoying summer. So yeah, it's good. Well, the, uh, the season is starting to wrap up as we kind of mentioned, you know, we've got uh, some, we just kind of wrapped up air meet. I'm really excited about the success of that event. Uh, for those of you that don't know, air meet is in Donauwörth, Germany. Happens usually, you know, last week of August, or you know, usually close to the end of August every year, mid to late August. And this year we had uh, a record number of social media views, uh, lots of great reach over over throughout the entire industry, and certainly use it as an event now to amplify our RC's presence out in the in the mainstream world. So uh, as of this morning. We uh, have crossed over the 100 million people reached with AirMeet content, which is record number. Um, and if, to put it in perspective, for those of you guys listening, that's 20 million more than the population of all of Germany uh, that we reached with a single event. So it's the power of the Internet, the power of social media, but it's cool to bring radio control. And certainly AirMeet being the pinnacle of radio control air, uh, it's really cool to see that kind of reach the the masses uh, as it as it has so excited about that we also have yeah. coming up oh go ahead well it, it was really cool steve i mean you know we talked about it a few years ago certainly covid kind of made us rethink how we approach air meet it was always a great event but like you said it's in donaworth germany so most people would have to get them get a map out to find out or do google <laughs> a google search uh to to find where donaworth even is um, and, you know, you really a couple of years ago looked at, well, how do we use AirMeet to, to be a social media event and reach the, a much wider global audience? And I know there was a video in particular, one of this giant scale Concord yep. that somebody was flying that I had so many people mention to me, like, I saw this video of this, you know, gigantic airplane, you know, flying at some Horizon event. And. Um, it, it was really cool. Just, you know, you're the team that, that puts that together. It's a really small team, but you guys, you know, have done a great job of making that a good event. If you can make it by all means, I recommend, uh, buy an air, uh, a ticket, go to, uh, Munich and get a ride out to Donorth. If you can't social media really made it feel like, you know, people were there. So, you know, congratulations to all of you, Stefan and Timo, uh, Tilo, yourself, TJ, that, that really, you know, made sure that that event reached, you know, a hundred million people, which is phenomenal. So, so very cool event. If you haven't checked it out already, it's all still out there on social media because it lives on. Right. So people can still go out and, yep. uh, I think there's even like a highlight video now. Yep. Is there a highlight video? 
Yeah, well, yeah, it's, yeah so, the way TJ is kind of just pumping out content of all different uh, different aircraft and flights. So you will, if you're part, of, if you're following any of our platforms, Facebook, uh, Instagram, TikTok, you will definitely see some great air meet content out there. So check it out for sure. Yeah, it is. It is stuff you will not see any anywhere else other than air meet. I mean, it's just outrageous. Uh, huge airplanes and scratch builds and this gigantic Concorde and all, uh, just it's amazing. Um, if you're into aviation at all and you're listening to the pod, this podcast, if you haven't checked it out after you listen to this podcast, go check it out. So Definitely. great job, Steve. Um, that'll tie into our podcast today a little bit too because uh, <laughs> you weren't able. You were at Airmeet. You weren't able to participate in the event that's that's with our special guest today but appreciated you texting me um, while the event was going on it was kind of fun because i think you were watching it on tv and actually had more uh probably a little broader view of what was actually happening than i had um at the race so trying not to give away all of our secret guests today (laughs) uh, just yet but yeah but you're right we are wrapping up the season but we're not quite done yet right no, not not yet. Uh, the last kind of major signature event that we put on uh, at Horizon is Proline by the Fire. Um, we kind of count it as our last signature event of the year. Certainly not the last event we'll be at, but uh, this September 22nd and 23rd at Horseman's Center Park in Apple Valley, California. Uh, that will be our big Proline by the Fire event. The theme is always a big deal with Proline by the Fire, and this year's theme is survival. Last year was medieval. Uh, so everyone has a lot of fun with that. Registration does end uh, September 11th. So if you're interested in getting out there, make sure to get registered. Uh, but Chris, you've been out there. I've never been out to uh, Apple Valley, yes. but tell tell folks a little bit about what what you kind of what can you expect to see at uh, Proline by the Fire. Well, it is a a really it, it's a lot like Axial Fest. Yeah. But with Proline, it's a little broader. So at Axial Fest, it's really around the Axial product line at By the Fire because Proline supports all the major manufacturers. You're, you, you, there's a, a broader assortment of product that's there, but it's very much the same. There are courses and trails and competitions that people can be part of. And then very unique, like you said, to By the Fire is there's always a theme. And last year, I think you, some folks may remember on our social media, yeah, the theme was medieval and they had guys doing sword fights in full night costumes. And the year before when I was there, it was a circus theme and we had a, you know, there were all these uh, trails you could go on that had almost a circus theme to them. So they definitely try to have some fun with it. It's all about just going out, being with your friends and family. There's a lot of custom builds there. So if you're somebody who, you know, likes to do a custom build, um, and the terrain in the park is, is phenomenal. It's, it's a lot of fun. So yeah, if you're someone again in the Southern California area, um, Nevada, that, that Southwest region, it's definitely worth the drive. They do a ton of hard work to make the event, uh, fun, something that you can, you know, you, you're going to have a lot of fun being at. So like you said, Steve, registration ends on the 11th. So less than a week from now. So if, if you're thinking about it and you're listening to this, uh, you know, go, go check it out. The web page has all the details, but, uh, having been there, it, it is a blast. It is a lot of fun. So, um, something for everyone, I think, as they say, so <laughs> check it out. 
Definitely. And, uh, well, I, I definitely recommend that as well. If guys, it, it, uh, it also wouldn't be a horizon podcast without talking about some new products. So Chris, it's been a, it's been a heck of a, a couple weeks here. We've had great things happen at air meet, the NASCAR race that we'll talk about today. Uh, we released the SR 71 from eFlight. Uh, people think you couldn't do it, but we, uh, the team at eFlight knocked it out of the park and, uh, produced a really cool looking SR 71. The, uh, you know, the Mach 3 capable spy plane that we all remember back in the day. Um, just an incredible feat of engineering, but also something that uh, a lot of people know uh, when, it, when it comes to legendary aircraft. The SR-71 is certainly something uh, that comes up. So if you're uh, interested in owning a Blackbird, uh, we have uh, that available. That's uh, bind and fly for 249 bucks. And uh, we also have some really cool content out there. We have uh, Bert, the last um, known or last flying SR-71 pilot came and flew it for us and did some video content. So you guys are want to, we'll definitely want to check that out. Uh, so that will be shipping here shortly. I know the first shipment I'm pretty sure is sold out. So if you haven't got your name on the list, go ahead and make a pre-order with your retailer, uh, your favorite retailer, or of course on horizonhobby.com. Yeah, that, that plane is just phenomenal, Steve. I mean, having seen it, seeing it fly, seeing it sitting there, it's beautiful. <laughs> You know, seeing it fly is almost magical. Um, it, it's, you know, what, what they've done to tune that airplane was safe. And, and a lot of the AS3X technology um, is is awesome. It's amazing, you know, just how beautiful it is. And, and like you said, I, I love that you guys have done such a great job of telling the story. I mean, the SR-71 is such an important piece of military history. Even if you're just a history buff, um, I could see having one of these on the shelf just because it's, it's so good. I know for some people, probably for you, Steve, I just broke a law by saying, you know, have an airplane and just have it sit on the shelf. I know shelf queens are not for everybody, <laughs> but for me, uh, I, I think I, I, I would probably be afraid to fly it, but I would sure proudly display it. Um, yeah. So it, yeah, great, great, great product. Um, we had a really unique uh, release from Probo recently too, and one that um, when, when I first saw it, I kind of thought, oh boy, this is, this is pretty out there. But, um, you know, we just recently came out with this one sixth scale jet stream jet boat, um, that, that we partnered with Shreddy on. And, um, this boat is just fun. I mean, it is, you know, it's got, it's got, you know, our driver in it and he's got, you know, his guns out, funds out, um, and it's just kind of a, a river runner boat. Um, the reaction to this, like you said, just like the SR-71 has been phenomenal. You know, this is a, a big boat, um, you know, 100 amp, uh, you know, ESC in it. So this thing is, will go. Um, and it's just, it's just pure fun. I'm having a hard time even finding the words for it because it's, it's, <laughs> it's almost kind of a basher boat is what I've heard people refer to it as. And that may not make sense to people. If you go watch the video, you'll, you'll understand yeah. it exactly. So if you're just looking for a fun boat that you can just thrash around, maybe you've got some, you know, some weeds or some, some, uh, grass around you, the water you're in, this is great. It's a, it's a jet boat. So there's no propeller out. Um, just fun. Yeah. And like you said, the, the video team did an incredible job. The video is, you know, it just makes you want to buy it. I know that's the purpose of the video, but it truly made me go, wow, I need to have one of those for, for the, for the water times. And it's got the reverse gate on there. So it really does do a real reverse gate, just like the, the big boats. And 
they're jumping it off of rocks. And yeah, like you said, Basher, like if Arma made a boat, Pro Boat nailed it. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's definitely so, you know, again, if you're just looking for some fun and you want something different, you know, this is the, and the way they kind of share the video with its model after this boat that uh, Blake Wilkie drives. Um, it's just it's extreme and it's out there. So, you know, go check it out. Um, the video definitely just shows you all the fun of the product. I think they did a great job of, of yeah. communicating that. Well, the, the last one I wanted to share, uh, while not super exciting for most, it's something that we all need uh, on the air side, or many of us need. Uh, Spectrum has worked very closely uh, with the um, FAA compliancy for remote ID and have created Sky ID. Uh, it's a very small module that you can put in your aircraft if you're choosing to fly after September 16th uh, in the United States. If you're choosing to fly outside of a, uh, a FRIA, which is uh, an FAA-recognized remote ID area, such as like a flying field, uh, you'll actually need to fly with one of these. It's a, basically a digital license plate for your airplane so that um, if you were flying in an area where somebody needed to know who you were, they could indeed do that via Bluetooth or a cell phone app. Uh, it's super easy to use, really easy to install. Um, you won't need it if you're flying at your AMA club. That's a FRIA that's recognized by the FAA. So it's, uh, it's not something for everyone. It's certainly more... Uh, more compliance and, and more regulatory stuff to work through. But Spectrum has come to the table with a pretty inexpensive piece of hardware that's pretty lightweight as well, which was important for a lot of folks. Um, and right now they're running a really great introductory offer for, the, I think, the first two months. So won't be around forever, but for $69.99 versus the normal $99.99 price point. Um, so that'll be out there. And, and SkyID should be available uh, right before the compliance date of September 16th. So Get out there, get your pre-order, learn a little bit about remote ID if you haven't already. If you're an airplane guy, don't be afraid of it. Uh, yes, it's more stuff to worry about, uh, but it's not as scary as it may seem. Um, but certainly something I recommend you do a little research on. Yeah, yeah, I think overall, uh, you know, I think the team did a great job, you know, putting in a solution here that, like you said, is, is pretty affordable, pretty flexible, lightweight. So... Um, we want to make sure, you know, that we're providing solutions for people to be compliant. And so um, we've got it. So, all right. Well, Steve, I think we need to hop over because, you know, we've got some really special guests here, um, friends of Horizons for sure. And, um, you know, it's not every day that we get to talk to, you know, uh, a NASCAR Indianapolis champion who is also was driving the Horizon hobby car. Um, in, in that endeavor. So I think without further ado, we ought to go ahead and bring him in and let's get this podcast started. All right, everyone, welcome to the On the Horizon RC podcast. With us today are, first of all, a guest that you'll remember that's been with us before and also a new guest to the podcast. Both of them together are making big news in the NASCAR Cup Series playoff. Uh, this week, we've got our very own Front Row Motorsports number 35, 34 Ford Mustang driver, Michael McDowell, and Travis Peterson, his crew chief. Um, welcome to the On the Horizon RC podcast. Uh, we're excited to see you again. Michael, I saw you last week. Uh, it was good kind of bumping to you uh, when I was in uh, Charlotte. And uh, yeah, we're excited that you jumped on here with us. We know you're busy, but uh, playoffs, and we've got a lot to talk about. So uh Welcome. And I guess just first of all, you know, how how is Front Row doing 
And how are you feeling about the 34 here in the playoffs? Yeah. So, um, you know, it's been, it's been a crazy month for sure. You know, it, it feels like a very long time ago since we won at Indianapolis. And I know it hasn't been, it's only been maybe what, three short weeks, right? Um, but that's just how racing is. That's how the sport is, right? So it's been a rough few weeks since getting that win in Indy. Um, you know, we kicked off the playoffs this last weekend at Darlington. Uh, things did not go at all like we had hoped or planned. Um, but, you know, so is life, right? Racing life. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're at the shop today trying to get all of our, um, you know, ducks in a row and rebound and get ready for Kansas. Um, you know, the thing about the playoffs is you're not out. It's not a, a single loss elimination like a lot of other sports. Um, so this first round has three races in it. The first one did not go how we needed it to, but we got two more to fight our way through and, and try to make um, make it to that next round. So um, we know what we need to do. We know what we have to do. We're just, uh, yeah, we need to get some of that momentum back on our side. Yeah, well, you touched on it. I mean, part of the reason we wanted to, to – to meet with you and Travis today was, was the Indianapolis race. And, you know, we were uh, very fortunate to be your primary sponsor at Indianapolis. Indianapolis is a, a little less than two hours from Champaign. So it's kind of our home course. And for those of us who gr have grown up in this area, Indianapolis is certainly the home of motorsports. And so, um, you know, we, we did it as an employee uh, engagement activity. So we had about 60 or 70 people there. I guess I would ask you though, you know, how, how did that win boost morale of the team? And, you know, like you said, okay, first, first round didn't go as well as you'd planned, but is that kind of helping carry you through um, to these next couple of races here in the playoffs? Go ahead, Travis. So yeah, I can jump on that one. Um, I mean, the morale is obviously high, right? You, winning fixes everything. You work every week and try to ask people to put extra effort in and uh, when you get the win and it's finally worth it, it, it kind of puts a pep in everybody's step. And that was great. Um, and then obviously once the playoffs start, it kind of resets. So right now we're, we're, we're a little sad because we had a bad weekend. But the good news is that win got us locked into the playoffs and it locked us into no chance of finishing worse than 16th. Right. So no matter what, that win's going to be huge, even if we do not have a good playoff season, because we can't finish worse. If, if we had the same couple of weeks we just had, after not winning Indy or finishing second, it would feel a lot worse because we'd sit you'd be sitting here struggling for 21st in points right now instead of 16th. So um, it's still a huge thing, and, and we know we can do it. That's the other thing. We proved we can do it, and now we just got to go do it again because dug ourselves a little hole so far. <laughs> right on. Well, I, I – uh, Yeah, and I think, I think when it comes – when it comes to, you know, our sport, our sport – as crazy as it sounds is all about winning. It really is. And the wild thing about that is, you know, there's 38 competitors every weekend and there's 37 losers every weekend. There's 37 losers. Um, and in a 38 race championship, a season, there's typically only 14 or 15 winners. And so if you just look at the numbers, and you look at the statistics, you spend majority of your career losing in NASCAR. It's very different than any other sport. Um, you know, stick in ball sports, you're about 50, 50, right? I mean, that's kind of, kind of a career season would be 50, 50, you know, or close to it. So, 
and our sport, it's like 98% losses. And so you have to learn how to, to deal with losses well. Um, but the wins are, are big because they don't happen all the time. Not everybody gets them. Um, and so when you do have a win, it, it is really important to all the things you talked about, morale, confidence, all those things, getting into the playoffs. But to take it up a notch, to win at sort of our crown jewel races, which is, you know, Daytona, uh, Indianapolis, uh, Darlington, uh, Bristol, Coca-Cola 600 in Charlotte. Those are our crown jewels. So um, winning is at a, a high priority, but doing it at, you know, those ho- historical sort of crown jewel uh, venues is is uh, really special as well. So, so Indy was a double, right? It was a win that did all the things that we needed it to do for, you know, all the different boxes you need to check but it's also a crown jewel and those are just so hard to get that it, um, it makes it extra special for sure. Very cool. Well, I, I think speaking of the, the win in Indy, you know, I, I have to say I was disappointed I couldn't make it there. Um, I was traveling back from our big event in Germany uh, called Air Meet, which was a great time. Uh, we reached over 100 million people on social media with that week. It was a huge weekend for Horizon. You guys won. We had a great event uh, out there in Germany. That's awesome. But I was riding home and I was watching the race on airport TVs and listening to it on the NASCAR app. And uh, I was cheering along with you the whole time. Um, and I even had some of the, one of the bars I was having lunch in, I was getting people to cheer you on. So that was a good time. Uh, but you know, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> at any point during that, that day, did you guys, you know, think that you didn't have it in the bag? You were so far in the lead. It was almost like the Michael McDowell horizon hobby race as far as race coverage. Uh, but you know, was there any point where you guys felt like, man, this, this could go poorly at any moment or did you just think, man, we have this in the bag? Huh? Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll go first and then I'll let Travis give his perspective. Um, you know, first of all, that morning, Sunday morning before the race start, I, I definitely was feeling that, that, uh, nervous energy, um, feeling pretty anxious, I would say probably more so than I normally am. Um, like we know that road courses are a good opportunity for us to run well and to have a shot at winning races super speedways, you know, there's probably seven to 10 tracks now that we, we sort of feel like, okay, these are our shots. Um, but this weekend it, it, Indy just felt different and, you know, we were, we were really fast in practice qualified well. And I just woke up that morning feeling like, ah, I feel that pressure of that. We're going to have an opportunity to win this race, you know, and you don't always have that opportunity. We just talked about, you know, how tough it is. Um, so that was definitely, um, a bit unusual for me. I don't normally have too much of that anxious energy going into the race. Um, but once the green flag dropped, I kind of was in the zone and kind of right away knew we had a good car, was able to get to the lead early. And, um, but to answer your question, you always feel like you're about to throw it away. Um, you're right on that limit of pushing the car as hard as you can, without making mistakes, um, you know, but you have pit cycles, you got pit stops, you got all these things, all these variables, there could be a caution when that caution comes out. There's so many things that are out of your control that you never feel like, oh, it's in the bag. 
right? I knew we had the speed that if everything went well, that we could do it, but everything had to go perfect in order for us to put it all together. And really anybody on a given weekend, everything's got to go just right. And so it never was a moment of like, oh, we got this, right? I mean, even all the way to the white flag, I'm like, oh, I just don't want to see a caution, don't want to see a caution. So, um, but it was, yeah, it was a, a special day inside the race car, just knowing that we had the speed and that we had the car capable of doing it. Um, and then being able to, as a group and as a team, actually execute and do it, you know, to do it on pit road, to do it on strategy, to do it on speed, to pass for the lead, to keep the lead. And, um, you know, it wasn't gimmicky. It wasn't fluky. It wasn't a, a late race caution or a late race restart and everybody crashed and we just snaked our way through and got a win. Um, uh, we did it in a really dominant fashion. And so, um, yeah, it was a special, special day to put it all together like that. Yeah. I, I, I thought it was pretty cool before the race, you know, Michael, we were, we were talking to you and, you know, my wife and I were there and she was asking about your family and you made the comment about, you know, well, they're here today because, you know, if, if I win today, I, I want them to be here because they weren't at Daytona. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking like, okay, I mean, that that's great confidence, you know? I mean, it's that yeah. clearly, you know, you, you want to win, but like you said, there's also a little of that, but the odds aren't in your favor, like, like you covered a little bit ago. And so I mean, great move, obviously having them all there and I, I and getting to celebrate it a little bit with you afterwards. It was just so cool for them. I'm sure to be part of that experience, but I did, it really stuck with me before the race. You saying like, yeah, I wanted them here today. Cause you know, when I win, I want them to be here to celebrate. I was like, good move. So <laughs> yeah, you, were, yeah. you were very wise in that. So, so very, very cool. That's awesome. Um, well, Travis, maybe real quick with you. So you're new to, to Front Road this year. I guess, you know, a question I'd ask is just, you know, what was it uh, with this opportunity with Front Row and the 34 car that, you know, really spoke to you? And, and you know, what were you hoping to accomplish, you know, moving over to this position, this team? Yeah, I mean, the opportunity, you know, there's only 36 guys that get to be crew chiefs and probably... 20 or less that get to be crew chiefs on teams that are competitive and can compete for wins. Um, so the stars kind of just aligned at the point where I always felt like I was ready for maybe a year or so now to make this jump in my career. And Michael had the opportunity. He reached out to me, um, you know, the way Blake left and we had the technical alliance. So we knew a little bit about each other. It, it kind of just all fit. Right. And then, you know, getting to know Michael early on in that, uh, I felt like, you know, here's a veteran guy that'll help, um, you know, pair well with me being new at this. Um, a guy who I believe can be good once he gets even equipment. Um, you know, just haven't watched him for years. Um, and so it was really just kind of a, a perfect storm. And then coming in, I thought, all right, I just want to do what they did last year or maybe a little bit better, right? I, I want to try to continue to improve their program or at least, you know, repeat in the first year to have a building block to, to continue from. Um, and then, you know, we kind of started off the year being able to do that. There's a few places we improved on. There's a few places we matched. There's a few places we were worse. And it's like, all right. And, you know, kind of middle of the summer, we just kind of hit our stride where I think, you know, me and Michael figured each other out and I knew what to put underneath him when we got there and our team and our processes and everything that was new this year, um, you know, really just started to click and we started to do better and better. And, and I kind of indie circled the whole time because I felt really confident going there that we were going to be able to have a good car and his road course background. So um, you know, the whole thing just the stars aligned at Indy. We got that win. So that kind of right away 
already put the check mark on the year of doing just as what they did or better. And, uh, you know, now, now it's kind of resetting and setting higher goals for the rest of this year and next year. Yeah, it certainly seems, uh, you know, and again, all of us at Horizon certainly have, are, if we weren't already race fans, certainly have become race fans, um, and certainly Front Row and Michael fans, even more specifically, um, you know, through this. And, and definitely, you even looking at last season compared to this season, it does seem like uh, there's just a different spark this year and a different energy. And certainly, yeah, the, the race kind of, underlines all of that. I think, uh, the Indy win underlines that in the playoffs. Um, is there anything specific that you think, you know, kind of biggest areas of improvements that, that kind of helped you with the, I guess, to give you the confidence of the Indy win, you said you had it circled. I mean, was there something specific or was it more just a general, you know, kind of feeling like you're building some momentum? I think the reason Indy just stood out is I felt the car I was on last year, I thought we were really strong at Indy. And knowing Michael is always good at all the road courses and how good we had done a couple of road courses leading up to that, um, that we were building and we were going in the right direction. So I just knew I had a lot of confidence in what to put in the car. Um, and then, you know, to touch on what Michael said earlier, when we ran the first lap of practice and it was that much faster than all the guys I was comparing to, and then Todd went to the top of the board. And then we went to the top of the board. I was like, well, we're going to be in a good spot if we can keep this up. And he just kept running and it just stayed the best car. And at that point, I felt the exact same thing. I was like, all right, now we got to not screw it up because we know we're really fast and we can go win this thing. So it, the same anticipation was leading all the way up to the race. But I think once you get into it, it was just laser focused and you kind of forget all that. And then afterward, you let it sink back in. <laughs> well, uh, Travis, this one's kind of for you. I mean, you spent a lot of time at, at RFK as kind of race engineer. You know, you, you said you had an opportunity to move over, but I'm curious what, and this is probably for the people out there listening, you know, what knowledge as race engineer do you bring over to crew chief? Is it everything and then leadership on top of that? Or what are, what's kind of the major uh, skill sets that carry over? And what are some of the things you had to kind of learn quickly as crew chief? Yeah, I think what you said about it being kind of everything and then add leadership on top is is a good way to describe it. Because when you're the race engineer, you're pretty much advising every decision on the car. You, I, I've related it to the president and his cabinet, right? There's a guy who makes all the decisions and manages everything. And then he's got a bunch of people who are supposedly the experts in their field that tell them what they think they should do. Well, when it comes to race strategy and car setup and all that stuff, the race engineer is that expert providing all that information to the crew chief. Um, and then they also have a car chief who is the guy on the car that can say what's realistic and what you can perform. So, you know, that's probably been another side of it. I think to be a good race engineer, you have to be in tune with the car side of it as well. And so I've always tried to do that. Um, so that didn't feel like a huge learning curve because I've stayed really close with all my car chiefs throughout the years. Um, it's the managing the team. It's the um, putting all the processes in place in the shop and, you know, speaking in front of everybody and all that stuff. That's the new um, that I had to learn, but the rest of it, the, what goes into good race strategy and race setups and calling a race and all that stuff. Um, I felt like that was the stuff I knew I was going to be confident in because I've been doing it for so long. Gotcha. That makes a lot of sense. It's uh, a big change, but a lot of the same skill set carries over. Um, well, kind of speaking of, uh, horizon hobby and, and, uh, you know, RC, I, I think, you know, Michael certainly has shared his story about radio control, um, but I'm curious if you, Travis, have dabbled in RC in the past or if Michael just got you involved in it from <laughs> from being involved with us, with uh, with the team. 
so I've always messed with RC stuff, you know, just kind of as a hobby, you know, and, um, I never did anything quite as big as the scale of the stuff I've gotten to drive that you guys have, um, in terms of power and how big it is. And they're way more awesome than the stuff we had, but, uh, kind of one of the, the quick best stories I have is, is we used to have a lunchtime league at one of the teams I worked at, um, where we all bought just a crappy hundred dollar. Everybody bought the same thing, our version of stock car racing. Um, <laughs> and so you couldn't make any changes. You pulled it out of the box and you raced it and you put it back in the box. And that was what we did. Um, and, and we would do that on lunchtime. And so we'd, we'd put a pool together. We'd go buy pizzas, somebody pick up pizza. Then we'd race uh, around a baseball field and the little RC cars we had weren't very good. So, uh, when they would get in the grass, they'd slow down. So the track kind of self-policed itself and it was a blast. It was, it was a lot of fun. So I've, I've always dabbled in it, but more as a, you know, kind of just a goofing around than, than some of the high level stuff you guys do. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. And I, I know when I was there last week, again, I see those slick floors on your, uh, on your shop floor and I want to do donuts with an infraction on them. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of what I think of. So, uh, that's good. I, I guess, you know, one of the things we try to do too here, Travis, is, you know, when we asked Michael this a while back about just kind of what inspired him to, to get into racing and, you know, if, if somebody who's younger, you know, might be listening to this, you know, what were the things you did then as a, you know, growing up that led you to say, you know, hey, I think I want to be an engineer. And then kind of next step, I think not only do I want to be an engineer, I want to be a NASCAR engineer. Um, how does that path, you know, how does that path go? Yeah, you know, it kind of concurrently happened, um, always being into cars, whether it was going to car shows or watching NASCAR or playing with RC cars or whatever. And then, you know, just the, the tinkering mindset uh, kind of started to show up where you want to rip stuff apart and see what's on the inside of your RC car or, you know, that just the, the very typical um, stereotype of an engineer. Right. And so then I started to learn to draw and do all that stuff and started to learn how shocks work and did some internships on race teams doing that because, um, you know, I had an in, my dad works in racing as well. So, um, that kind of gave me a behind the scenes look of what it would look like. And then I also grew up the, one of the main reasons I became an engineer and not a race car driver or something cooler like Michael or these other guys is I, I grew up with Corey LaJoy and Joey Logano and Brandon McReynolds and some of these guys who are, are names in the sport now. And, uh, they would kick my butt when we would race go-karts and I was trying to figure out how to make my go-kart go faster to make up for my lack of driving talent. So, um, I knew pretty quick I needed to get good at working on them because I wasn't going to be able to do it with my uh, hands and feet. <laughs> so, uh, that was kind of led to the engineer thing. And then, you know, there was at that time, you know, this is, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, there were a lot more engineers becoming crew chiefs and running the show. And so that kind of became quickly like, that's my goal. That's what I want to do. I want to start as a race engineer, learn everything I can and, and hopefully end up here. Yeah, very, very cool. Yeah. And I think we even see that in our, our industry as well. Sometimes I go to the flying field with, with folks like Steve and some of our, our guys, and it, it makes me realize I should not be, uh, competing in, in airplanes or probably even flying airplanes on the same field as them. So yeah, when you see yeah. somebody who is, has elite talent and then puts in the work, um, that, that all of those folks do, to, to be at that level or to be like Michael or, or some of the other folks you mentioned there. Um, it, it is just next level. So, um, but the beauty of it is, is sorry, I the beauty of it is there's a million ways to do all that stuff. Right. So I could just try to be right. smarter than the next guy if I couldn't outdrive him. So, you know, that's, that's the, probably the advice you mentioned to give the people who are listening that want to get into it is, is find what you're good at that applies and then just become the best at it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. 
Well, you know, um, well, we may have to uh, work with you guys here in the off season, or you know, after after the season, to figure out how to to get you guys some stuff so you can have a lunch race league at the F- the FRM shop. But, uh, Let's go. Make sure you get that back, so that, that that'd be good. Yeah, the key is not too fast, right? Uh, not too fast on the shop floor. Too many ankles around there. <laughs> yeah, that is um, true. Yeah. We need we need to get some some small slow ones there so that those guys can uh, keep them all all together. Yeah, that'll yeah, help the driving pretty, talent side of it too. Yeah, you guys have some pretty expensive stuff sitting around too. We you know yeah expensive ankles and and uh, a lot of uh, other machinery that probably shouldn't get demolished. So yeah, I I have to ask the. Uh, you know, we, we send a, we send some toys over, right? So a lot of the, a lot of the crew guys have some toys. I know you guys have a few things, but does uh does Horizon sending product over there really kind of slow down productivity throughout the day, <laughs> or is there uh, is there some time where the guys get to have some fun? <laughs> when they're yeah, it has. We uh, we had one uh, truck driver that was building a uh, helicopter, yep. and I'm telling you. He was at the shop at least 90 hours a week and 75 of them was on that helicopter. I don't think he worked at all. Um, he was always tinkering on that helicopter. Um, but no, it's, it's been fun, you know, and just like any industry and profession and, you know, we're just normal people working at a race shop. Right. And all the guys and gals here have families and they have, uh, they got kids and they're, you know, so they're into it too. Right. So that's, what's fun about it is, is that, you know, racing and especially for y'all, like the remote control world is, is family driven, right? It's outdoors. It's family driven. It's something that you can do at all different levels. Um, like Travis was talking about, you know, whether it's from flying, you know, acrobats in a helicopter to, you know, just cruising around. So it's, um, that's, what's neat about it is you can, you can go at it from any level and any experience and still have fun with it. Yeah, for sure. Sure. Well, I guess the, the last question I've got for you guys, and I know we're getting close on time here. Um, you know, just kind of your thoughts from both of you is, you know, what it means making it to the playoffs in such a short time working together. And then kind of what, what are some of the things that you think, We'll continue to grow as you guys continue to work through next season together as well. Yeah. So like I told you guys, I wish we would have done this last week because the energy was so much better. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, because, you know, and, that, and that's just how, how it is, right? It's like we are coming off the win. Everybody's feeling so good, feeling so confident. We had swagger and and we still do. I don't want you to think that we don't. But today, before this, was tough meetings. Mm-hmm. It was tough conversations. It wasn't fun. Um, and I know you guys go through those too, right? And um, so you have, we have high expectations and we should. And you're, we're a great team and we need to perform at a high level. And when you have an off week and you don't, you know, it just, it's not fun. And so, you know, today we're digging in and we're going through the process of figuring out what we need to change, how we need to approach things, you know, processes that need to be changed, processes that need to be put in place, how we need to analyze the data. Um, and so, you know, today was more of a back to reality, eat your humble pie, go to work and remember how you got to this spot and how we got to this spot was, is really hard work, dedicated people that, um, don't take no for an option and just keep grinding it out. 
And we didn't stop doing that. It's not why we hit a funk. We hit a funk because that's life. And when you're trying hard and you're pushing an envelope and you're, and you're trying to do things at a high level, you're going to miss it. Uh, if you don't swing at a ball, you'll never miss at a ball, right? And so we're swinging. And unfortunately, we struck out a little bit this weekend. And so we're just, um, you know, hitting that reset of, all right, we just got to go back to work here, figure out the few things we need to do to get that that confidence, that momentum, and that ball rolling in a good direction. I mean, we haven't changed as a team in a matter of two or three weeks, right? Um, but we just we want it. We want to rise to the occasion, and we want to do what we all believe we can do in the playoffs. And so, um, yeah, it's um, you know, it's it's a humbling sport. Highs and lows. You got to manage both because they're coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and. and- yeah, you know, we'll we'll certainly, like I said, we'll be following you guys through the playoffs, and um, you know, we probably should let you get back to it. I know we're taking up your lunch hour, and and uh, Travis has has some special guests coming in here in a bit. We want to make sure he can get to them. But I think you know one of the things that we've really enjoyed, uh, you know, for Horizon is a lot of what you just talked about, Michael. There's kind of this, you know, first of all. It all starts with family. It all starts with the people you choose to spend your time with, to be around, you know, that you want to go hang out with. And and uh, same at work. You know, we spend more time at work, a lot of us, than we probably do at home. And so, you know, you don't want to be around people that drive you miserable and, and you want to have a goal and, and accomplish it. You want to try hard. And sometimes it goes really well and sometimes it doesn't. But, you know, I think we we felt like, you know, the 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 way front row approaches things um, and then the way you approach things really just matches well with us. And we saw it last season. We've seen it throughout all of this. I mean, for you, it it starts with your family. Um, And so, like I said, when, when you said your family was at Indy, I was like, Oh, that's great. I hope, you know, I hope you can have a great finish, but to see, you know, your family after the race and see your reaction, you know, when they came up was, just really what we strive for moments like that. You know, not everybody's going to get a win in Indianapolis and, uh, you know, have their family support them in that. But, you know, you can still have pretty amazing moments with your family with with what we do at Horizon. And and so to see that a, a moment and then your crew as well. I mean, you know, Travis jumping off the stands and, you know, you guys giving each other a big hug after the race and seeing your whole crew. And like you said, Indy's so special. Seeing everybody lined up kissing the bricks. You know, it just was a, it was a community. It was a family, you know, just having a really special moment. And that's, that's kind of at the end of the day, what we strive for. So it was really cool to be part of that whole experience with you guys. And even the races that maybe you don't have that great of success at, like you said, that the deck stacked against you every week. Um, but just the whole, the whole way you start with family first and, you know, front row has been such, so good to us and all the, the folks we've been able to invite out to be part, part of the experience with you. We, we really appreciate it. So it was amazingly special to be part of Indianapolis and be kind of get to see all that unfold. So um, we're, uh, but you've got playoffs still to go. Your season's not over. So um, we thank you for, for all you're doing to, to be an ambassador for, for our, our hobby. We think it's pretty cool and uh, we appreciate it. And Travis, we appreciate you making Michael faster. Um, <laughs> keep that going. But um, yeah, thank you guys for, for uh, jumping on here with us today. Thanks for being such a good ambassador, you know, for our, for our hobby and what we're trying to do here uh, at Horizon. And we wish you all the luck 
And uh, as you go into the playoffs here, we'll be watching.